Welcome to Zikru Dafsi Man Memorabre Abraham Goldhar and Dimr Zekhaz Yavamas, Daf Lamed Zayn, the fourth parak, Ochol Sev Bimto. So the three Dafs we're going to focus on. Number one, the Mishnah Daf Lamed Hey Amabes had stated, Safik ben Tishal Rishon, Safik ben Shiva Achron, Yotzi Vavod Kasher Vachayavim Ba'ashim Tawli. If the child is possibly the nine month old baby of the deceased brother, or possibly the seventh month old baby of the Yavam, the Yavam must divorce the Yavam, the child is kosher to marry a Jew, and they're obligated to bring an Ashim Tawli. On this stuff, Rabbi asked from Nachman, Nachman, let us say we go after most women, and the majority give birth at nine months, making this the child of the deceased brother, and the Yavam and Yavama will have transgressed the Isser of Eshaz Ach, making them liable in a Chattis, not in Asham. Rav Nachman answered that since Rabbi Yodos Latisha Ubara Nikola Shlish, in the case of most women who give birth at nine months, her fetus is noticeable at a third of her days, and since in the case of the Yavama, her fetus was not noticeable at three months, Israel Leiruba, going according to the majority in her case, is weakened with respect to her. Point number two, Rebbe Lesbian Yaakov said, Yisa Adam Isha b'medina zo, Yisa Isha b'medina acheres. A man should not marry a woman in one state, and then marry a woman in another state, lest their children from these two marriages come together, resulting in a brother marrying a sister. The Gemara of this is so, given that certain Amorim took wives in different states to maintain their level of purity while traveling. Whenever Rabbi Rav Nachman would visit a place, they would seek a woman who would be willing to marry them for the days they were there and then get divorced. The Gemara answers, Shani Rabban did the key of Shemayah. The Rabbanim were different because they were famous, so the children would be well known as their offspring. When Rabbi asked how this was possible, given that the women were required to observe seven clean days before the wedding, the Gemara answers the rabbis would send messengers seven days in advance so the woman could prepare. Another answer was that the rabbis would only live privately with them but would not engage in marital relations. Because there is no comparison between one who has bread in his basket to one who has no bread in his basket. And point number three, on this topic, more brings the first four of eight cases regarding disputes of inheritance that can result when there is a suffix if the child is a nine-month baby of the deceased brother or the seventh-month baby of the Yavam. The first case is suffix v'yavam shabalo chalak benichse misna. The Suffolk child and the Yavim come to take possession of the estate of the deceased brother. The Suffolk child says that he's the son of the deceased brother, and therefore the estate is his. The Yavim claims that the Suffolk child is his son, and that he has no right in the estate. This is the case of Mamun HaMutubah Suffolk, money that lies in doubt, since both sides have legitimate claims, Umamun HaMutubah Suffolk Chokin, and money that lies in doubt is divided between the parties. So once again, the three points are number one. The Mishan Daf Lamed Hayyamah Beis had stated, if the child is possibly the nine-month-old baby of the deceased brother, or possibly the seventh-month-old baby of the Yavam, the Yavam must divorce the Yavam, the child is kosher to marry a Jew, and they're obligated to bring an Ashim Tawli. On this stuff, Rabbi asked from Rav Nachman, let us say we go after most women, and the majority give birth at nine months, making this the child of the deceased brother, and the Yavam and Yavam will have transgressed the Isser of Eshaz Ach, making them liable in a chattis, not in Asham. Rav Nachman answered that since Rabbi Yodos Latisha Ubara Nikola Shlish, in the case of most women who give birth at nine months, her fetus is noticeable at a third of her days, and since in the case of the Yavama, her fetus was not noticeable at three months, Israel Leiruba, going according to the majority in her case, is weakened with respect to her. Point number two, Rebbe Lesbian Yaakov said, Adam Isha b'medina zo, Yisa Isha b'medina acheres. A man should not marry a woman in one state, and then marry a woman in another state, lest their children from these two marriages come together, resulting in a brother marrying a sister. The Gemara of this is so, given that certain Amorim took wives in different states to maintain their level of purity while traveling. Whenever Rav Rav Nachman would visit a place, 
they would seek a woman who would be willing to marry them for the days they were there and then get divorced. The Gemara answers, Shani Rabban, Devaki of Shemayu. The Rabbanim were different because they were famous, so the children would be well known as their offspring. When Rabba asked how this was possible, given that the women were required to observe seven clean days before the wedding, the Gemara answers the rabbis would send messengers seven days in advance so the woman could prepare. Another answer was that the rabbis would only live privately with them, but would not engage in marital relations. Because there is no comparison between one who has bread in his basket to one who has no bread in his basket. And point number three, on this topic, more brings the first four of eight cases regarding disputes of inheritance that can result when there is a suffix if the child is a nine-month baby of the deceased brother or the seventh-month baby, the Yavam. The first case is Suffolk v'yavam shabal al-chalak misna. The Suffolk child and the Yavam come to take possession of the estate of the deceased brother. The Suffolk child says that he's the son of the deceased brother, and therefore the estate is his. The Yavam claims that the Suffolk child is his son, and that he has no right in the estate. This is a case of Mamun HaMutaba Suffolk, money that lies in doubt, since both sides have legitimate claims, Umamun HaMutaba Suffolk Chokin, and money. The lies in doubt is divided between the parties. All right, so now we go to our Simmerdaf Lamed Zayin, and our standard simon is laser tag. Laser tag. So here goes. When the pregnant woman playing laser tag, who passed her first trimester but wasn't showing, played against the majority of women who were... She got help from a woman who had been married to a rabbi for one day, who left to go back and judge an inheritance case involving a Suffolk child and a Yavam. Once again, it's a motion. When the pregnant woman playing laser tag, laser tag, that must more end up... Lamed Zion. When the pregnant woman playing laser tag, who passed her first trimester but wasn't showing, played against the majority of women who were... Which reminds us, the Michelin Duff Lamed Hayam and said say that if a child is possibly the nine-month-old baby of the deceased brother, or possibly the seven-month-old baby of the Yavam, the Yavam must divorce the Yavam, the child is kosher to marry a Jew, and they're hired to bring an Ashantawi. On this Duff, Rav Nachman explained that even though the majority of women give birth at nine months, making this the child of the deceased brother and the Yavam and Yavamu have transgressed the Isravashas Ach, making them liable on Achatas, since most women who give birth at nine months are showing at the first trimester, in this case of the Yavam, her fetus was not noticeable at three months, and therefore Israeli Ruba, going according to the majority in her case, is weakened with respect to her. So, when the pregnant woman playing laser tag, who passed her first trimester, but wasn't showing, played against the majority of women who were... She got help from a woman who had been married to a rabbi for one day, which reminds us the Gemara explains how Rav and Rav Nachman could marry women in the place they visited and then divorce them when they left, and there was no concern that their children would unknowingly marry each other. So, when the pregnant woman playing laser tag, who passed her first trimester, but wasn't showing, played against the majority of women who were... She got help from a woman who had been married to a rabbi for one day, who left to go back and judge an inheritance case involving a Suffolk child and a Yavam. Which reminds us, the first of eight cases dealing with disputes in inheritance is the case when the Suffolk child and the Yavim come to take possession of the estate of the deceased brother. The Suffolk child says that he's the son of the deceased brother, and therefore the estate is his. The Yavim claims that the Suffolk child is his son, and that he has no right in the estate. So this is the case of Mamun HaMutu Basafak, money that lies in doubt. And since both sides have legitimate claims, Mamun HaMutu Basafak Chokin, money that lies in doubt, is divided between the parties. So once again, when the pregnant woman playing laser tag, who passed her first trimester, but wasn't showing, played against the majority of women who were... She got help from a woman who had been married to a rabbi for one day, who left to go back and judge an inheritance case involving a Suffolk child and a Yavam. All right, now it's time for Four Blabach Hazara. Daflam Gimel. So the simon Daflam Gimel is a pegleg pirate. So here goes. The pegleg pirate. Pegleg pirate? That must be more Daflam Gimel. The pegleg pirate who was caught doing two prohibitions at once 
as he served in the temple on Shabbos, which reminds us, the Gemara goes to an extensive analysis of what the Malchoks between Rebichia and Bar Kampar is based on, and concludes they're disagreeing in regard to simultaneous prohibitions, which are prohibitions that come into being for a person at the same time, and according to the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Rashi explains that according to Rebichia, even Rabbi Shimon, who rejects the principle of Isra Kolel and Isra Mosif, would agree that the prohibitions that occur at the same time take effect, since neither in his position to block the other from taking effect. According to Bar Kapar, Rabbi Shimon also rejects the principle of Be'ezer simultaneous prohibitions taking effect. So, the peg-like pirate who was caught doing two prohibitions at once, as he served in the temple on Shabbos, and was told he was going to be buried among the complete Rishayim, even though he just did Anisir Ba'alma, which reminds us, Gamora asks in reference to the case of Azar Shishimish B'Shabbos, what avoded did the Azar do on Shabbos? Rav Acher Yaakov said, B'Shchit is Parashal Kongado, shafting the Kongado's bull on Yom Kippur, according to the one who holds that Azar may not do it. When the Gemara notes that even an ordinary cone is not permitted to do so, it answers that Azar in this context refers to someone who is not a Kohen in regard to this avoda. Ravashi objected to this answer since the Chattis was not mentioned in Raviosi's ruling and neither were any negative mitzvahs. Rather, it refers to general prohibitions even if they do not result in a Chattis or Malkus. The Nafka mean is regard to Lekavru bin Rashaim Gemurim, to bearing him among complete Rashaim. According to Rabbi Yossi, he's buried among complete Rishayim in a cemetery for those who were stoned or burned. So, the peg-leg pirate was caught doing two prohibitions at once, as he served in the temple on Shabbos, and was told he was going to be buried among the complete Rishayim, even though he just did. And Yisr Ba'alma ran and was Makadish a woman whom he accidentally exchanged with another at the time of Rechuppah. Which reminds us, that the Gemara clarifies that when the next mission brings a case of two men who were Makadish two women, and says that at the time of the Chuppah, they exchanged wives, which implies B'mezid, that the Mishnah should be amended to read, they were exchanged, so the Simmer is a ladder. So here goes. The tummy man who was hiding up high on a ladder, ladder, that must mean more than The tummy man who was hiding up high on a ladder, eating chelov, that was noticed that he carried in his mouth on Shabbos, which reminds us, the Gemara asks, who is the Tanu who holds that two prohibitions take effect upon a single item, whether it's through an Isser Kola, an Isser Mosif, and an Isser Basachas? And Rav Yudah said in the name of Rav that it's Rav Meir, for it was taught in the Mishnah, There's one who does one act of eating and is high for four Chatas offerings and one Asham. The case is a tummy person who ate Chela, that was Noser, from consecrated offerings on Yom Kippur. Rav Meir says that if it was Shabbos and he carried it out in his mouth before swallowing, he would be high a fifth offering. So we see from here the Ramir holds of all three types of prohibitions, including an Isser Basachas. So the tummy man who was hiding up high on a ladder eating chalif that was noser, that he carried in his mouth on Shabbos, watched a bris down below where a father was rushing, had the wrong baby circumcised, which reminds us. The more asks, who does Rabbi Meir rule in accordance with, given that he holds that the two men who actually switch wives should bring chattas offerings, and answers that he holds like Rabbi that holds a tobit mitzvah chayv. Alternatively, it could be that he rules even according to Rabbi Yeshua, who stated his position that a Tobit of our mitzvah pater, in the case of circumcising babies on Shamas, this Manu Bahu, where a person's time is rushed, since there's a mitzvah to circumcise the baby on the eighth day. If he erred in that situation and circumcised the wrong baby that was not meant to be circumcised on Shabbos, he's putter. But here in the case of marrying the woman, his time is not rushed since there's no specific day that he must marry the woman. So the tummy man who was hiding up high on a ladder in Chalif, that was no sir, that he carried in his mouth on Shabbos, watched a bris down below where a father was rushing, had the wrong baby circumcised to the horror of its mother who had gotten remarried 10 years after her first husband's death. Which reminds us when Rubin came, he said in the name of Yochanan, 
Any woman who waited after the death of her husband 10 years and then remarries can no longer bear children. Rav Nachman said, They did not teach this rule except when she did not plan on remarrying. But if she did plan on doing so, she can still become pregnant. The more brings the case of Rav Chizah's daughter who bore children to Rav 10 years after the death of her first husband, Rami Barchama. Daf Hay, so the simmer Daf Hay is the children's choir singing La La La. So here goes. The children's choir, children's choir, that must mean we're on Daf Hay. La La La. The children's choir joyfully singing at the Giorgis' Chasna, the day after her conversion, which reminds us all women who had relations and then want to remarry need to wait three months, except for a woman who converted as an adult and a ship who was freed as an adult. When the word suggests that Rabban should be goes for these women to wait as well, since it's come for them to have illicit relations, it answers that Shmuel's going according to Rabbi Yossi, who holds that a Giorgis, a Shvuya, a captive woman, and a Shivcha do not need to wait three months. Abai explains the reason they do not have to wait is that a woman who engages in Znus inverts herself after having relations so that she does not become pregnant. So, the children's choir joyfully singing at the Giorgis' chasna the day after her conversion were thankfully not present in the hall next door where two daughters of Kohanim got switched to their chuppas and became puzzled to eat truma. Which reminds us, the mission had said of Imahayu Kohanos, Nipsu mina truma. If the calls were daughters of Kohanim, they are puzzled from the eating of truma. Rav said that the mission is teaching that if they were daughters of Kohanim who were married to Yisraelim, they are puzzled from eating truma from their Kohanic homes. Rush explains that even though a baskon who was violated while married to Yisrael is not prohibited to her husband, if he were to die, she would not be able to return home and eat truma. So the children's choir joyfully singing at the Giorgis' chasna the day after her conversion were thankfully not present in the hall next door where two daughters of Gohan got switched at the chuppas and became puzzled to eat truma, while a guest who was pregnant and had done chalitza was rushed out and tragically miscarried, which reminds us, the Gemara brings him Alchok as a marim in the beginning of the fourth paragraph regarding one who does chalitza with a pregnant woman, and then she miscarries. Rabbi Yochanan says she does not need chalitza from the brothers, since the chalitza is now seen to be valid, whereas Rejokish says she does require chalitza again from one of the brothers, since the first chalitza was not valid. The Gemara teaches him Alchok is going to be explained based on Psukim and on Svara. So the simmer Dafamidvav is a Lulav. So here goes. The Lulav salesman, Lulav, that must be warned off, Lamed Vav. The Lulav salesman missed the announcement that a certain woman who did chalitza was in fact permitted to the kahuna, which reminds us the reason why a woman couldn't have a chalitza done in a case where her husband and her tsar went overseas, and they came back and reported that her husband was dead, and it's not yet known if her tsar had a child, is not because chalitza's mu'ubar, it's a chalitza, a chalitza of a pregnant woman, is not a valid chalitza even if she miscarries, Rather, it's because perhaps the Tsar had a viable child. And it will come out that you'll require an announcement that she's fit to marry into the Kahuna. It would be declared that her earlier Chalitza was not effective and she's not a Chalitza to be forbidden to Kohanim. The more clarifies that we're concerned that if someone was not at the announcement, they might come to think we're permitting a Chalitza to a Kohen. So the Lulav salesman missed the announcement that a certain woman who did Chalitza was in fact permitted at the Kahuna because he was jumping for joy that the sale of the Lula farm he bought from the farmer's son was still good when the son suddenly passed away. Which reminds us, Rabbi says the halacha goes according to Reish Lakish in the case where a father signed over his properties to his son to be acquired after the father's death and where the father retains rights to the produce. If the son sold the property during his father's lifetime and the son died during the father's lifetime, Reish Lakish says, the buyer has acquired the property upon the father's death since Kinyam Paris Lavka Kinyan Aguf. 
the ownership of the rights of the produce, which the father still had, is not considered as if he still owns the land. So the Luluf salesman missed the announcement that a certain woman who did chalitza was in fact permitted at the kahuna because he was jumping for joy that the sale of the Luluf farm he bought from the farmer's son was still good when the son suddenly passed away. After being told he had to give his Yavama divorce because he did Yibun prematurely, risking violating the Isser of Eshazach. Which reminds us, if one marries his Yavama and she's found to be pregnant, if the child is not viable, he keeps her as his wife. The Gemara here brings up rights with an opposing opinion that taught. In the name of Rebeleza, they said, Yotzi beget, he must divorce with a get. Rashi explains that even though the Yibum is valid since the child was not viable, the Rabbanim penalized him and required divorce because by marrying the Yavamu who was possibly pregnant, he risked violating the Jeraisa Isser of Eshazach. All right, that concludes today's year. This is everybody from Golden Zikh wishing you a great day and great learning.